Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the fashion. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? The music. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. And the selfishness. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. My name is Joel Goodson. I deal in human fulfillment. I grossed over $8,000 in one night. Time of your life, huh, kid? So your folks are going out of town. Hello, Joel. I'm Jackie. How are you this evening? I don't remember giving permission for a party, Joel. Who's the U-boat commander? Time of your life, huh, kid? Hey, this is Steve Spears from SBTimes.com. And this is Gina Vivanetto, columnist from TBT. We have a very special guest today. Introduce yourself. <laughs> hey there, I'm, I'm uh, Rick Gershman. I'm the stranger. I'm the uh, very special guest today. What I, do you uh, do for the Times? I write for the uh, St. Pete Times and our Tampa Bureau. It's a very uh, popular blog, too. Go ahead, pimp it. Uh, that blog, pimp I, it. I will pimp my very popular blog, which is uh, called Please Name My Blog, uh, which is... Uh, <laughs> probably desperately in need of a name some of the uh, thought process was we didn't really have any reason for the blog to exist but i was told to make a blog and uh, so yeah exactly and i was i was hoping by calling it please name my blog we get lots of people thinking hey yeah i'll check out that blog and hopefully name it why are you here today what's our subject boys we're going to talk about the fantastic 1983 movie Risky Business, oh, which is yeah. everything to me that Heather's was to you. Oh, okay, I get it. So, and the star, of course, Mr. Tom Cruise, pre right. pre Scientology days. I can say it. Couch. I don't care. I'm going to say it. I don't care if they're right here in Clearwater. They're going to come get me. Um, no, I mean he was a all American boy back then in the in 1983. Right? This was uh, his was his first big huge breakout. Well, role. yeah, you could say that he was in Taps before that, but really, what else? Taps. Taps was he in was, that uh, little the one? The Outsiders. The Outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Losing It, which is a... Oh, a nice movie. Bob. I don't have to dare say it. It's no classic. It's, it's dare we say not. <laughs> but in uh, 1983, Tom Cruise uh, squeezed out uh, The Outsiders, Losing It, Risky Business, and All the Right Moves. Risky Business made him a, a huge, huge star. But how old was he when he started this movie? Do you know? I hate to um, ask you if you're not no, sure. No, I don't. But he wasn't a teenager. <laughs> but thanks for... No. no, he wasn't a teenager. Can no. I tell the secret? Early 20s, the, maybe. The neat diet that they put him on to make him look like oh, a teenager? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. To make Tom Cruise look more like a teenager for Risky Business, they had this weird regimen they put him on. The, the producers of Risky Business um, made him work out seven days a week to lose 10 pounds first. And then once he did that, they immediately started giving him a, a, an enormous amount of fatty, fatty, fatty foods to add this like layer of baby fat to his little tiny body. Oh, that's kind so of they cool. made that's how they he got that so little fresh face, young. Oh, yeah. Nice. So he had to lose ten pounds and then they added a bunch of fat on him to make him look like a you know, little fat fat teenage boy. <laughs> Not fat, but you know, little smooth, little baby faced teenage boy. Right. And it worked because he looks really young in the movie and he's adorable. It's before his braces and everything and <laughs> he had braces. You know, no, he's had braces as an adult now. Yeah, don't I, you remember? You weren't no, paying attention. But you it know. happened after the 89, you know, I don't pay Yeah, attention. yeah, no, it <laughs> happened very recently. A few years ago, he had braces while he was with Nicole, I believe. But this was back then, and he looked right. really young and adorable, and he wore those really cool Ray-Ban glasses that oh, it became so made popular. the gigantic the wafer glasses. Everybody, did you ever own those when you were that age? I, I don't know if I owned them, but, you know, enough people I knew did, my brother or whoever, and I used to kind of slip them on all the time and do the whole, hey, I'm, I'm like Tom Cruise in Risky Business. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't they became I enormously popular. 
popular. I never, I've never paid more than fifteen dollars in my life for a pair of sunglasses, and I, I continue that trend today. Rick, did you ever go out and get the Ray Bans? We did actually. Yeah, I think uh, my brother and my all of my buddies, we all had at least uh, a pair of that. I think we spent uh, pretty much every last penny we had sure. from uh, stocking shelves at Winn Dixie in order to get those Ray Bans, <laughs> and immediately either lost or destroyed them within a week. So yeah. I now get my sunglasses at Dollar General, where they're a dollar, yeah. and I can break and Generally. lose as many as I need. So good for you. So now you're something better. But Tom Cruise is also, I mean, is obviously best known for this movie. Another uh, notable star who made his debut in this uh, movie was Curtis Armstrong, which uh, would later go on to be known as Booger. 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 And uh, Revenge of the Nerds. And then he goes on to be Charles DeMar in Better Off Dead. And uh, he stars uh, in One Crazy Summer. He'd go on to Moonlighting and... Let's mention, too, um, Guido, the killer pimp, became much more well-known after this. That's Joey um, Pantoliano, Joey Pants from The Sopranos. And, gosh, he's in so much stuff after that. He just became – he was used as a as a character actor in so many movies after right. that. But, and he's so young in this movie when oh, you watch like, it again. He looks about like as old as kid. Tom Cruise does. But already yeah. losing his hair, which is an impressive yeah. thing, which yeah. kind of gave him a nice little, hey, I'm yeah. in my mid-20s, I'm a pimp, I'm already losing my hair. Exactly. I'm you know four feet tall. But that gives me a couple inches exactly. on cruise, so it was uh, it was good. It made him menacing. Do you know who else was in this movie? Um, oh, I'm gonna have a hard time saying your name. Megan Mullally. <laughs> I have a hard time saying your name Mullally? all the time. Yeah, thank you. Say it again. Mullally. Yeah, from Will and Grace. She played one of the hookers. I'm sweet. Sure was did. not aware yeah. of that. Well, yeah, you guys probably weren't paying attention to anything. You know, what kills me. Yeah, everyone talks about this as being a Tom Cruise movie, and it is. But really, we we were studying all the quotes that we wanted to use in the movie and all the clips. And when it really comes down to it, all the great quotes from this movie are not by Tom Cruise. They're by um, Curtis Armstrong playing Miles, or they're by Joey Pants as Guido mm-hmm. the Pimp, or or Lana played by Rebecca De Mornay. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise maybe has what two or three good lines, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it's just all the characters around him. I love that when his parents say, use your best judgment. You know we trust you. (laughs) I went around saying that forever with all my friends. Well, let's set up the movie then because that's that's sort of the beginning of the movie. This whole movie revolves around Tom Cruise who's a uh, teenager in suburban Chicago. So like so many 80s movies. (laughs) And, uh, it's like par- the 80s happened in Chicago. <laughs> like- I so badly wanted to live in Chicago after about that time in my life because I just – I got the feeling that, that was the center of the universe. But I guess I was wrong. The uh, His parents go on vacation and leave him in charge of the house and then all hell breaks loose. Right. But before he goes, his parents uh, – and he's like a winner kid, too. He's oh, like yeah. A, yeah. Like, what no, was the tagline from the movie I saw? He's a – I found a little thing where I just read it to him. Oh, keep talking. I'll find it. It's something like <laughs> – He's a model kid who's – oh, meet the model son who's been good too long. <laughs> so he's ready to – that's right before college. He's graduating and he's ready to just kind of, you know, But right before, like right before be he leaves, um, his parents give him a little bit of good advice. And let's take a, a quick listen to what they say to him. There's 50 for food, which should be more than enough. Another 50 for emergencies and an extra 25 just in case. And don't forget to water the plants around the patio and the ficus in the dining room. I wrote all that down. It's on the refrigerator door. Uh, Dad, you want me to start your car? Car will be fine, Joel. I mean, for the battery, I mean. Joel, please, you're not to use my car. You're not insured for it. Use the station wagon. Use my car, honey. Okay. Joel, we understand each other? Okay. Oh, um, darling, as far as the house is concerned, just use your best judgment. You know we trust you. Have a great time. Be good. We will, honey, you too. 
Oh, that's just too eerily similar to stuff my parents used to say to me when they left me alone for the weekend. (laughs) But uh, as we all know, Joel does not follow the advice. Instead, he goes to a party with his buddies, one of whom is the immortal... Bronson Pinchot, indeed, from uh, Balky, if Balky you will. Things. Later, Balky what from uh, Perfect Strangers. Surge, Surge, Surge in the Beverly Hills Cop films. Yeah. Yes, he's absolutely. still around, isn't he? He's I still hope he's doing working. stuff because he's so unbelievably I'm, talented and funny. I'm sure like he and that. Judge Reinhold are working on something. <laughs> yeah, at the little dinner on. theater in Sarasota as we speak. Oh, so right. I'm sure man, it's very, no very nice. No respect for the B man. Exactly, <laughs> but no, no. Bronson was a huge, uh, huge role in here. Here we go then to the most famous, probably seen in, in Risky Business, where. Joel and Miles walk outside on the eve of his parents dumping him for, what, a week maybe? And uh, Miles gives him some good advice on how to uh, enjoy himself. So <laughs> should we, I, we're going to have to use a liberal bleeping here to get through this one, but uh, I'm sure you'll accept that. And let's just hear it's it. It's great advice. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f***? gives you freedom freedom brings opportunity opportunity makes your future fantastic just mm-hmm. fantastic scene i was impressed by the liberal bleeping and uh bill, <laughs> bill o'reilly had warned me there'd be liberal bleeping going on uh, right. in the times podcast so right. it's good to know is. that <laughs> the ferris one we were able to get away with some stuff so if you go back and listen to the ferris bueller podcast you'll hear some uh yeah, hasn't that been banned in uh, 14 yeah. countries, I think, right now? Though, uh, we I have think... Joe Redner fighting for us. Yeah. <laughs> That's helpful. Right. We are the liberal media. We need to mention, too, that not just Bronson Pinchot, but we were talking about the little cameo in this movie by somebody in the seat, in the seat of the Porsche later. Oh, I don't you know mean if when you they are... steal the Porsche? Because yeah. one of the first things that Joel does. He steals the Porsche. Well, things start going a little uh, awry after he yeah. takes the, the advice from his buddy. And uh, Joel gets into some hijinks and shenanigans <laughs> and, uh, involving his dad's Porsche. Right. And uh, But the scene you're talking about is when they when he pulls the car out of the garage. Is that what you're saying? Well, there's a cameo by Sean Penn. I don't, uh, do you actually see him in there? Uh, you see like sort of a little bit of his head a little bit. Yeah, you see him. Yeah. It was a favor to Brickman. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't even know the two of them knew each other. I was, I was wondering why he would do something like you that. You don't know about them being friends. I don't know friends. anything don't about Paul Brickman. People Does anybody know? Rick, you know about Brickman, right? What's, that, what's, the story, what's his story? <laughs> He's the writer and director of this movie, right? Well, yeah, he is the writer and director of this movie. He'd had a couple small uh, screenplays produced in Hollywood before, but um, um, this was his, his uh, feature film directorial debut, and it's, it's, it's surprising because it, it's such a well-crafted uh, film for a teen comedy. It's got a very different feel. And uh, it's very surprising he didn't go on, but he only made a couple other movies after this, uh, none, none of which were anywhere near the critical or popular success of Risky Business. Well, that's a shame because, I mean, I think this is easily one of the best 80s movies. Oh, made. it's super, super fun. It is. And it, and it, um, so much better than Heather's. One of the uh, – <laughs> God, you won't let go of that Heather's thing. The, um, um, the One of the most famous scenes probably in cinema now, I guess, is that whole uh, – Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear scene. I mean, it's been parodied. It's been yeah, it's old time rock and roll by Bob Seger. Um, And do you know he was given absolutely no instructions? Considering how like laugh out loud funny the scene is, and it's just so fun to watch. I mean, you're just it's so hard not to just jump up with him when you watch the movie. I've seen that scene 
parodied from everywhere. From I remember, I remember Ronald Reagan, Ron Reagan, Ronnie Reagan Jr. doing it on Saturday Night Live. Right. It was oh, really yeah. great. I that was great. It's just become one of the most famous scenes in cinema ever. And to think it's from Risky Business, it's just it's great. But they they gave him no instructions at all on how to do it. They simply in his script it simply says, "Dance to rock music." That's all it said. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite part of the dance? It's it's just great. I mean, it just goes on and on. When you think he's going to probably hang it up, he just takes it to, puts it up another level, yeah. takes it another notch higher. I love it when he starts flopping on the yeah, couch. Yeah, he's flopping on the couch, his feet in the air. It's absolutely, it's totally, it's precious. It really, really is. I mean, I, I, watching it again, I think, you know, I've gotten to a point where I don't know what to make of Tom Cruise anymore here in the 2000s. But watching that scene again, you remember why the whole world just kind of fell in love with him with this movie. He was just adorable and so fresh-faced. Now we know why, because that funky <laughs> diet. But And just so, you know, that scene is just adorable. And, and, and I think because it touches a nerve with what when you're young and you're alone and your parents are out and you're blasting the music and you yeah. are kind of just running around in your boxer shorts, acting like a jerk, singing into, what does he sing into there? Like a golf club or something? Or just... <laughs> He messes with his dad's equalizer. That, yeah. And you just know exactly how that feels to just yeah. finally have some time to yourself to just let off steam. And But it takes a little too far, you know, yeah. the portion with the, you know that when, starring the whole call girl business. Rebecca DeMornay, by the way, since I'm the music authority here, uh, not really, but um, since we're all into music, Rebecca DeMornay, I don't know, Rick might know this because he's a little bit more into music than Steve. Um, he, she lived for a long time with Leonard Cohn, and she may still be living with him. I don't really know. but I had no idea. Yeah, that's, it's a very, very strange thing. I did that find that out. I, I was years behind the news. Like when I found out they had already been living together for years and years and years. And I was like, hey, like they never even sent me an invite or anything to any kind of little cocktail party or, <laughs> or anything. So, yeah, that's a very strange couple to me. Right. Leonard Cohen, a very, very sort of subdued, very, you know, um, God, he's iconic. He's like, you know, got his start in the 60s and everything. Really really uh, poetic he's known you know for his poems as much as his his songwriting stuff really really laid back older older fellow and then Rebecca DeMornay. And also, we should point out, Rebecca DeMornay and Tom Cruise immediately started dating when they found oh, I'm sitting here waiting oh. for my opening, and then you blow them. Go ahead. No, take it over. No, that's okay. You've said it now. No, I mean, their their chemistry. Their chemistry stage, was so it hot. Was so, it was for real. Well, it's they a great, weren't faking it. I mean, we can, we can say that. I can say it all honestly. That's probably the hottest sex scene in any movie it's from the sexy. 80s, for sure. It really is. Well, yeah, certainly for the 80s. I'm yeah. trying to think what would be hotter in, in retrospect. Maybe something from Fatal Attraction might have been. Perhaps, but that's a, that's nine a, and a half weeks. That's a cool thing about Risky Business is that again, it's a teen comedy in a sense, but it's nothing like all the other '80s teen right. comedies. And we all love the John Cusack ones, and yeah. also had. There's no really great sex drunk. scenes, but no, it's it, not so. Look, look yeah. at the other sex scenes. Notable sex scenes of the '80s would be Fast Times at Ridgemont High, probably, oh, yeah. which has two of the most awkward sex scenes right. you'll ever see, uh, with is, Stacey in the dugout, oh, and then sure, you have. Yeah. Uh, Damone and Stacy right. in her pool house. But, but How am Rick, I recalling Rick all these off the top of my head? a good point because this is supposed to be like a teen movie, and right. you don't. You, know, you feel like when you're a teen watching it, you feel like, am I supposed to be watching this movie? Right. You know, like, cool. What if my parents come in and catch me watching this movie? It's that's, definitely adult. That's yeah. one of the things I love about the most is that you feel like, and I was watching as a teenager and I was 83, I would have been 14 at the time. Um, you kind of feel just like Joel was sort of dragged into this much more mature adult mature, environment. You feel as a viewer stuff. dragged yeah, into that right. scene so on the train with Rebecca de Mornay and point. the actual menace Even, you kind of feel in the film. Again, the music too, the Tangerine Dream score and driving awesome. on those, yeah. those trains. 
screens and everything. For those it's not goofy music at no. all. It's not like, you know, some of that Ferris Bueller. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're listening to this like very sophisticated, <laughs> almost noirish type music in the background. And you do feel like I'm entering in this world where I have yeah. no business being, you know, and it's, right. it's a kind of neat Sup- feeling. Supposedly that sex scene was so hot that the director had to turn away a couple of times because he was just so embarrassed. Wow. Or so, just felt so awkward staring at it that yeah. he just like, eh, I'm just going to go over here and smoke a cigarette or something. And More quickly about the music to um, In the Air Tonight, another like uh, uh, popular 80s song by Phil Collins. That's also on the soundtrack. The soundtrack is some really amazing stuff. Um, We've got Every Breath You Take, of course, by The Police is in their old-time rock and roll, which we've discussed. The Pump by Jeff Beck. Again, none of these are kind of goofy new wave. Um, right. You know, it's sort of the anti-John Hughes. Hungry Heart by right. Bruce Springsteen. The- Manish Boy by Muddy Waters. Now, you don't see Muddy Waters a lot on the John Hughes or, you know. Any of that stuff, or you know, Swamp by Talking Heads. Right. After the Fall by by Steve's favorite band, The Whole Wide World Journey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a Prince tune. I guess I said in the air tonight. This, yeah, the soundtrack is very, you know, even the songs that they're using, not just the artists, but the songs that they're right. using are pretty. I think most people, though, when they when they think about Risky Business, they think about the band that does most of the. Uh, score score. for score is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream, wow. a great, um, all sort of you know they rely mostly on synthesizers and things like that, all instrumentals. Did you know they and had they been around since '67? I did know that. We well, were asking you know the that? wrong person because <laughs> I know a lot. <laughs> well, I didn't know anything about, about it for like ten minutes ago. Yeah, and that uh, during the '80s they made uh, they were on soundtracks for more than thirty films. Wow, like uh, let's see, The Keep. Flashpoint, Firestarter, and Vision Quest. Mm. As I recall, Michael Mann, the director, used them for several scores, including The Keep, and I know he did for, uh, um, I think maybe for Manhunter, but uh, I know he did for the movie Thief with James Caan, which is one of my favorite films, which Uh. is about 1981, I think, actually. And um, and and they always had that very atmospheric kind of. Mm-hmm. It's a little Cinematic. dated. It's a little eighties, <laughs> but I mean, just a hair. Uh, yeah. But it, it, and what's great about the music, I think, in Risky Business, is that it's selected very carefully, very specifically for each scene. It's great that they were able to get the rights to so many great artists, mm-hmm. because the scene with where they're playing in the air tonight, you know, brings you right back to that scene. Uh, you know, Swamp by Talking Heads at the party, and and mm-hmm. there's several, and and the way, just when we had that opening music, the Tangerine Dream, it just brings you right into the movie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing you think of when you hear that. Of course, Swamp actually has the line in there, risky business. Risky business. That's they right. do. They say something about risky business. Right. And that's why talking heads. Um, I'm just curious. What Does you have the, the information? What what country is Tangerine Dream from? I think they, they were formed in uh, Berlin. Yeah, so. That's why I thought they were, ge- they were German. All those Don't weird synth fans. Oh, we're playing footsie under the table. <laughs> if only Sean Daly was here. Yeah. This is um, such a Sean moment. <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah, so the music, very, very interesting, different kind of soundtrack, very sophisticated and and spooky and noirish. Um, I, I know you're mainly a Heathers fan, but if you had to pick... God, what, you're not going to let this go, are you? It's not like my all-time favorite movie. It it's just so much well, better tell me what your favorite scene than is. you think it is. Tell, tell me your favorite scene from Risky Business. I want to know which scene you identify with the most. Oh, the one, geez, that, the one that sticks in your head the well, most. Well, I remember when I was younger, I liked all the kind of hot, weird, sexy scenes because I thought, like you guys, like we've all made this point, like I have no business watching this. This is so sexy. And, ooh. and I was, you know, in, in 83... I I was how old? Twelve. So, <laughs> and I'm sure I didn't see it in the theaters. It must have had to come on cable and stuff like that. So right. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say I probably saw this in uh, on cable or tape. I would have been what 83. I would have been 13. 
episode, 14. Yeah. I think I saw on HBO the first time, too. Yeah. I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, still I probably saw it on. years later. Um, I think I want to say that my favorite scene is the scene where he's getting interviewed by the Princeton <laughs> right. um, guy from Princeton because Joel wants to go to Princeton or his dad wants to go to Princeton. And you have this great scene where um, you sort of see the transformation of Joel from uh, helpless uh, and eager to please to more of a devil may care. And I think we have a clip from that, so let's listen to that for a second. Okay. Your stats are very respectable. You've done some solid work here. But it's not quite Ivy League now, is it? You know, Bill, there's one thing I've learned in all my years. Sometimes you gotta say, what the f***? Make your move. I beg your pardon? So, how we doing? like University of Illinois. Wow, I love that scene. I love the, it looks like University of Illinois. Right. And that scene really showed his acting chops as we were discussing. Well, he's <laughs> it got, doesn't, it doesn't. It's okay. cool. It's got that million dollar, he's got the million dollar smile in that, in that one million scene. Million dollar smile, and I right. think that's where I've but, seen that Okay, part. as we were all discussing, who would have thought by watching Risky Business that this guy would go on in the 80s to pretty much take over like Hollywood and like we were discussing um, you know, he he became like the biggest star of the '80s, right? Do we agree? Thirteen I mean, the biggest movies, male, yeah. Thirteen movies, which we're going to name, but then the '90s too didn't slow up at all. I'd say he owned he owned uh, most of the late, no, certainly most of the late '80s, and almost throughout the '90s, he was the biggest box office draw. He was, you know, one of the, the original right. commanding, you know, twenty million dollar paychecks. We've got half of the 2000s behind us already, and he's still. Tom Cruise. I mean, this guy. This is weird. <laughs> this I'd say, is I'd say he's slowing stuff. a little bit now. I mean. I don't know. He's coming out with Mission Impossible 3 soon. Think, think of all the years of Hollywood that we've had back to like maybe the 40s, you know, when we had stars. I don't know anybody who's led the box office this long like this guy um, has. Tom this Hanks is, maybe there for a while? No, not like Tom Cruise. Well, I, I, think. I think Tom Hanks had a few years Tom Hanks there actually, where he was both winning Oscars left and right. He was a huge box office draw, uh, and he, so he had that, that critical and popular acclaim. But I'd say Tom Cruise, I mean, I think Gene is right, over like you know, a 15, 20-year span, it's unprecedented, I think, to, to have one star who is so huge, both popularly, and again, he has his pick of directors. Yeah. He can work with Stanley Cooper. Right. He can work with Michael Mann. He can work with Steven Spielberg. You know, I mean, he worked with Spielberg in War of the Worlds earlier this year. He worked it's with Kubrick on his last film. Man. It keeps him he focused. Does, well, he's, he's, <laughs> what I like about him, what I like about his career, I used to say that Tom Tom Cruise Hanks can, actually uh, tried out for this part for Joel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I did, just uh, have to mention that. So there so you go. Did, uh, and Tom's, Tom Cruise Michael crushed J. him, crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> so did Michael J. Fox. So did Nicholas Timothy K- Hutton. Timothy Hutton was actually offered the role. Offered the role. And okay, turned it that's down. right. Probably career mistake of a lifetime. Well, who knows? But let's can we yeah, can we list some yeah, of those thirteen let's, movies Tom in the eighties? This, this is just in the nineteen eighties, okay. people. Okay, nineteen eighty one, Endless Love, mm-hmm. minor role. My first love. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the first semi noticeable role in Taps. Mm-hmm. Sure, pretty good movie. He's the one who goes to Timothy us. Hutton <laughs> in that one. So. Uh, sure. 83, another minor role is in The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. So not bad. Had a lot of would-be at oh, least sure. 80 stars oh, in man, that time. Yeah, everybody was in that. Rob Lowe. There's a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did um, a blog entry, but that probably was a long his, time ago. <laughs> yeah. His first starring role probably was Losing It 
and 83. And if you had to say there was really a stinker in the bunch, I mean, that's a bad movie, We've, right? Isn't it? You yeah. know what? Although I've seen it on, you know, it, it'll show up on syndicated film. And it's it's one that uh, I think Shelley Long is in that, isn't yeah. it? And she's the, the older woman that he's... Oh he's I mean, can you imagine Shelley Long all about and Tom Cruise together? It, 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 just, no, it doesn't work. That chemistry can't be there. Because then we get to 83 with Risky Business. And 83 ends up being a busy year because he does do, right after that, All the Right Moves, where uh-huh. he's the football player in Pennsylvania. Not a great movie, but... Mm. Uh, not bad. Anytime you get to be a football player in a movie. 1985, Legend. <laughs> uh, I think we've said all we want to say about that one. Top Gun 86 has got to be what? You think his, his breakout, I'm a star for good role? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just yeah. Yeah. kick that door right open. Yep. And yeah, if you don't think that we'll be doing a podcast on that one soon, you're wrong. Because you feel the need. The, the need, need for, for speed. <laughs> and here comes one of my not-so-favorite movies, The Color of Money. Yeah. And I know he's well thought of in that movie, but I just don't like I've had my fill of pool shark movies, I guess. Well, and it's a Scorsese film, and it doesn't really have a traditional climax, which, um, you know, I think people are expecting a more mainstream film, you know, matching Paul Newman, obviously mm-hmm. a great, 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 beloved, it iconic a lot actor. More than what it was. And yeah. I think, yeah, people are expecting it to be a much more you know, larger film than it was. I but it was an interesting character study. I, I struggle to get all the way through it. Um, 1988, he plays Brian Flanagan in Cocktail, which has got to be probably the shallowest. The lamest movie that did really well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still, actually, I love that movie. There's a lot of great lines to quote from it. And in my did mind, it? it's it's always a good movie if you have a lot of good lines to quote from it. Yeah. And uh, so he's got uh, – he did a pretty decent job. So which line comes to mind, Steve? In Cocktail? <laughs> oh, shoot. Don't do that to me. I can't think of any right now. I, I need a cocktail in order to, to quote from but it. But apparently there's a lot of great lines. And as soon as we find out some of them, we're going to get back <laughs> yeah, to you on that. Put them so. right. and, then we'll, and I'll never be introduced back to we'll, we'll, <laughs> this yeah. podcast. No, we don't care. You should, you, we have had worse guests than you. Well, Sean, every week. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Sean, Sean every week. <laughs> it's okay, Gene. I'll just show up next week for the podcast. And and if we I get something completely are. different, yes, yeah, so that's all right. I've already, I just in the middle of this I one, I've, I've turned and looked at you look different. So it's kind of freaky. And if you don't get that joke, please check out my blog. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and all will be explained. Exactly. Um, what else do we have? Is blank. that it for the 80s? Or you know, it's like He's I, still I, thinking I'm of cocktails. He's still trying to get a cocktail Here, line. Let me throw these bottles at you. Line. Start swinging them up in the air. Steve's going to sneak <laughs> off to uh, oh, man. Ah, go on geez. IMDb. Well, you know, it's like I, I prepare so much for one podcast and then I try to switch gears. There's nothing that. good in cocktails. It's a good movie. It's okay. It started the flair bartending phenomenon. Yeah, everybody wanted to go to bartending school. Exactly. Remember that? We all dropped out of high school and said, I want to be a bartender right now. Well, regardless. Were there any other 80s? Uh, 88, he plays. He has an uncredited role as a cowboy in Young Guns. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I don't even know if I should count that one. Probably not. And then uh, 1980, also Rain Man. Oh, that's right. A little movie called Rain Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, there was some kind of rule in Hollywood that you can't make a big budget movie without Tom Cruise. And then in the 90s, he was like an absolute Right, everything. yeah, because he finishes the 80s with Born in the Fourth of July. Oh, yeah, another little movie. Golly. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and what's interesting it too does is suck to be Tom Cruise. What yeah. do you expect this more from an actor who I don't know who would see you know someone who's statuesque? Let's say I mean he's uh, he's a small he's man. He's an elfin man. He's a he's he's, he's a manish boy. He's, 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 he's a manish boy. He's a wee little, wee little munchkin. Yeah. Um, he did play the Oompa Loompa guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's uncredited though. Sure. Not a bad looking guy, but not exactly super traditional. You know, chiseled uh, Hollywood looks. Um, he's getting there expect. with all he's the not, braces and you know. You not know, classically trained, right? I mean, I don't, I don't mm. suppose he probably went and studied it. I don't know what he did, actually. I'm not sure. 
I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, what the hell? He just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Grabbed the reins and took over. Hey, what's Tom's real name? It's Maypother or something like that? Yeah, Tom. Ma- Maypother. Thomas Maypother. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. It's but, actually uh, um, Elwood Schwarzenegg or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make him funny in some way. And he's not. He's just a really regular guy who suddenly is just, you know, the king of Hollywood. But you know, God, God love him. Apparently, he's a nice man, though. I mean, he's always like running into traffic and saving people and doing all kinds of neat, <laughs> heroic things. But what do you think about 2005 and all the headlines he's been? Uh, well, this is when he generating. starts to freak me out a little bit—the jumping on the sofa and acting a damn fool. And you know, it's <laughs> funny because I, I read this the other day. They, you know how jumping the shark yeah, is an industry the term for, uh, you know, when a television show is kind of reached its prime and is heading downhill. They now have the phrase jumping the couch. Yeah, jumping the couch. Referring yeah. to a star who's finally made too much of an ass of himself. Yeah. And uh, is starting to irritate people. And I know he's starting to really freak people. I keep making the Scientology quips and stuff, which I personally, I have a couple friends who are actually into that. And, you know, I don't really talk about too much with them because I only understand a little bit of it. But, um he, he, I guess, you know, this is his year where he's finally starting to really, really be public and really be vocal about his faith or whatever you'd like to call it, his beliefs in the philosophy of Scientology, and that's freaking out a lot of people now. So I know that's like this is the year everybody's kind of starting to turn on him or whatever. Because well, didn't, he try, he, didn't he ridicule Matt Lauer? On, yeah, so TV he's starting interview. to get a little bit vocal about his yeah. own personal beliefs. And before, I, I think up until now, he's never really done that, so nobody's ever had a reason to really? kind of go, well, how do I feel about Tom Cruise? You yeah, know? Well, and now he's kind of like, hey, you know, I have a opinions i have yeah. ideas i have things and i'm letting p- the world know it and everyone's like oh we don't like that we just want you to have this big pretty teeth sure. and be you know nobody really wants to know things that they may or may not understand or agree with and that right. so it's been interesting to watch and and you know he can't take any of this back now so i guess we're going to see as if he continues to talk about his own beliefs and, and how the world is going to take it because he was a little freaked out he was damn weird on that interview i mean the fact is you yeah. know with this whole you're jaded matt you're jaded and yeah. the whole um you know i've i've i've, I've studied on this I, right. I know what i'm talking about matt i've studied about psychology it's all yeah. and it know. was first of all even for anyone from hollywood just an actor to have such a really strong opinion about it is one thing but to go on national television and to be so so adamant and emphatic about it it's like i can't imagine like you know brad Pitt or like Julia Roberts or somebody going, no, I have opinions on this. I've studied it. You don't know, like to get all freaked out about it. It was like, okay, dude, what's, what's going on? Why are you so, why are you so freaky right, about this? Right. Just, I can't think of any other actors who's really staked out that kind of an extreme position. It was really strange. Well, and, in political you know, areas, probably, yeah, but not in, not in, I mean, you know, you sort of have Richard Gere out there and yeah, but usually during a big interview like that, they know when to cool it and just say, well, this is the stuff I talk yeah. about at home with my friends, and I'm right. on TV. And he was, like, really letting go and insulting Matt and yeah, being we'll kind of nutty. And, but, you know, whatever. Maybe he's tired of just keeping his mouth shut, and he wants people to know I'm more than just a pretty face and a great actor and a, you know, whatever. So we'll see what the future holds for Tom Cruise. <laughs> so what does the future hold as far as a legacy for Risky Business, where, where does this film... I think it's, uh, you know, it's already a huge cult favorite. And I think that, you know, it's, as we've all pointed out, it's done very interestingly. And it certainly holds up over time, don't you think, watching it again? I mean, I still think it's a lot of fun to watch. Some of it's dated, sure, but, you know... Yeah, the fashion, maybe. 
some of the music, I suppose. But I don't mind things like that. But not I the think themes. it captures a, a time, and it's it's a lot of fun. I don't mind when things are dated at all because then you feel like you know what it was like to be in 1983. <laughs> so, and it's a well-told story. Wonderful. I mean, not a lot of 80s shows have you know, 80s films. You know, sort of have a an interesting well-told story about an interesting well, you know, interesting character who you can empathize with. Who you know, he's got the run of the house while his right. parents are mm-hmm. gone, yeah. and and he's he's running into trouble with uh, the, you know, the 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 hooker and her pimp and mm-hmm. and you know i think it's it still has an incredible iconic status that you still see you still see scenes from that including the you know where he's dancing around uh, mm-hmm. you know right. to the music uh, parody today i mean ben stiller made a career out of parodying <laughs> scenes like that yeah. especially from tom cruise he does cruise. a great tom cruise too by the way ben tom stiller. it's unbelievable what i love is um you know unlike the john hughes movies of the era this one has an ending that's I, I guess you could call it realistic, but it's also you don't see it coming. Yeah. I, I don't think um, – I think it catches me – it catches everyone by surprise. And um, since this movie has been out for 20 years, I think we can listen to this scene and not give away the ending. No, it, Steve, no. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm listening to this. We've spent okay. hours cutting these okay. books together. We're going to listen to them. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you saying Bruce Willis is a ghost? Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> no. Wrong movie. That was Die Hard. Let's let's listen to the end. Uh, Let's listen to the final scene where we find out uh, what becomes of Joel after all his uh, adventures. Joel? Do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Apparently, uh, you two had quite a meeting. Princeton can use a guy like Joel. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joel. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you, every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. All right. And, that, and Princeton could use a guy like Joel, but the, uh, we were discussing, too, that there was a whole alternate ending to this movie. And um, Brickman wanted to end it uh, much more pessimistically. He wanted to have uh, Joel denied admission to Princeton, and the ending was going to be like he, uh, Joel and Lana were going to be sitting on top of a roof of a building, kind of overlooking the city and wondering what to do with their futures, and Lana was going to kind of let her guard down, and, and that was going to be it, really. But it wasn't a very happy ending, and at the time, most teen movies ended happily, <laughs> hence the teen movie. So um, they kind of cut it all up and changed the ending and gave us this more feel-good version. You know, it's a shame they don't put that... I mean, they must have shot the ending. Uh, they, it's a shame they didn't sure put they it on did. the DVD, but I was watching the DVD the other night, and there's no special features in that at all. Nothing? Nothing. nothing good, there's no nothing. commentary. If, if, if you want to watch it in Spanish, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really about it. No, there's no commentary. There's no... Uh, there might be a trailer, big deal. Hmm. But this this is a movie that cries out oh, for, yeah. uh, for a special edition. If for no other reason than I can spend $20 twice. Yeah, exactly. 
So well, that's a that's shame. Strange, yeah, because there's a lot of um, behind the scenes kind of information and the, and the romance and intrigue of the cast. And yeah. you know, yeah, it would have really been neat to have them tell us a little bit. More. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to hear a commentary about that and talking about you know the song selection and the mm-hmm. scenes and sort of and and everything sort of coming together for Brickman on this. And and like we said, he later you know directed a couple other movies, Deal of the Century, which you, if you haven't heard of it, you're you're not the only one. Yeah, um, not a good movie. Okay. And uh, and a film called Men Don't Leave, I guess, which has Jessica Lang, which was supposed to be actually a pretty good film, but also didn't really get any uh, any traction uh, at the box office. So, whether uh, what Paul Brickman is up to these days, I don't know. But I'd be yeah, curious to find out. Hmm. Well, if anyone knows, drop us a line on our blog. It's www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. We update it every day, and we look forward to your feedback. But until next week. Mm-hmm. There is no alternate ending for this podcast. No, You're hearing ended. them, a one and only one as far as I know. But until next week, we will be here remaining. We want to thank our guest, Rick Gershman. And until next week, we're all stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the online departments of the St. Petersburg Times and TBT. The weekly podcast is engineered by Mr. Dave Morrison. Special thanks to David Peterkowski for our show opener. If you'd like to blog us, please do. Our blog address is www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And remember, you can subscribe to the show at iTunes. This is the hard part, squeezing out one of these. Ooh, are you farting? No. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you just open with that? If I am, if I am, we'll all know in about five seconds. Oh, great. <laughs> we'll talk and cover! <laughs> <laughs>